This is the Golden V Podcast. The Golden V Podcast is a Vancouver, Canada-based podcast talking Vancouver sports. We talk about hockey, football, baseball, soccer, and other sports, including the Canucks, Lions, Vancouver Whitecaps, Canadians, and any other relevant sports news in the Vancouver, Canada area. This is Season 3, Episode 16 of the Golden View Podcast. On this episode, recorded last Friday, streamed live to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Golden View Podcast, I was joined by Scott Rintoul. Scott is the former host of TSN 1040 at Sportsnet 650, who last year released an awesome podcast called Unreal West Coast Express, a nine-part podcast series about the Vancouver Canucks line of Brendan Morrison, Marcus Naslin, and Todd Bertuzzi. Now, we chatted with Scott about the genesis of the podcast, why he came up with it, and he took us through some of the key moments uh, of the podcast, which included uh, Marcus, Brendan, and Todd all signing on and agreeing to do it. And we looked at some of the earlier parts of the podcast, particularly the first three episodes. Good afternoon. It is Friday, January 26, 2024. This is another edition of the Golden V Podcast, and I am here today with Scott Rintoul. Scott, how are you? I'm very well. Wayne Gretzky's birthday. Good day to do this. Ah, see, that's the thing about you, Scott. I always know that when, whenever I listen to you, you're going to throw out some nice bit of uh, <laughs> trivia or tidbit That'll keep me on my toes. I mean, that's why you're here today is to talk about something that I was really fascinated by, your podcast, Unreal, the West Coast Express. Can you start talking a little bit about that? And what I'm really curious to start with is the genesis of why you came up with that idea. Like, why did that, why that podcast, why that particular team, why that particular line? Well, it's a really long story, but I'll try to condense it a little bit. I listened to a podcast a number of years ago. I would say somewhere in the range of about seven years ago, something like that. Oh, okay. Called, maybe it was eight years or maybe six years ago, but it was called Fall of a Titan. And it was the Steve McNair story. And that particular story has a real true crime aspect to it. It was focused more on the way that Steve McNair, unfortunately, passed away or was murdered. That's kind of up in the air. And that was the... That was the whole point of the podcast. And I heard that and I just heard the type of storytelling. And I said, why don't we have more of this in sports? Like, we don't right. have that. And Steve McNair was a sports figure, but that wasn't a sports style of podcast. But I thought the way the story was told lent itself to telling a lot of in-depth sports stories that sometimes get glossed over. And so I wanted to do a long form podcast. And for so many different reasons, that yeah. line of Marcus Naslin, Todd Bertuzzi, and Brendan Morrison, and that mm-hmm. team yeah. has so much depth. And it's not a story that you can tell really quickly if you want to tell it well. And I originally no. thought it was going to be a two, three, maybe four episode podcast. But the more that I dug into it, Ben, the more that I realized you couldn't tell that story with going all the way, without going all the way back into the mid-90s to see where the team was at at its almost pinnacle in 1994, how quickly that crashed in four years. And the whole organization was in upheaval. 
to yep. show that those players and that particular team lifted Vancouver out of the depths of what felt like hockey hell for a lot of people in BC and to a place of prominence in the National Hockey League. And so right. that's why it, be, it ended up becoming such a long podcast. And it was right. nine episodes, 10 with the bonus episode that we did with the three players on that line. And there were so many yeah. different characters on those teams, as you probably remember, Ben, I that it was that. really easy to get contributing people <laughs> to be a part of it. Well, that's what struck me was now that I know the genesis, and I haven't listened to that show, so I'm going to have to, Scott. But, you know, the thing is, I grew up in that era, right? I started watching the Canucks. I want to say, actually, I know the moment. It was the 88-89 season. Trevor Linden was a rookie. I carried, I've carried forward ever since. I've been through the whole uh, 94 team. I went through the whole Mike Keenan era. I saw Brian. I remember when Brian Burke joined the team. I remember when Mark Crawford joined the team. I know all about Iron Mike Keenan when he was here. And, and I remember the start of the West Coast Express, and you just captured every single piece of it so effectively. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of that, of course, had to do with the fact that those three players were willing to be involved. And to me, right. the way that I wanted to tell the story, or at least aid and abet in telling the story, was right. from their perspective. And so if right. I didn't get buy-in from them, it wasn't right. something that I was going to do. This wasn't something that I was going to narrate like an audio book, just write myself and yeah. try to give a history lesson. I wanted to provide the perspective of the people involved and the people close right. to that line who understood all the highs and the lows and some of the things right. that happened behind the scenes. So that's the reason that it worked. And Marcus was the first to buy in. I had a pretty good feeling Brendan would be able right. to do it and wanting to do it because he's one of the most agreeable right. people on the planet. And Seems to be. the one play, the one player who had some mystery around him, certainly after leaving Vancouver for obvious reasons, was Todd Bertuzzi. Yeah. And I yeah. wasn't sure if Todd would want to do it. But very fortunately, on many levels, Todd's at a place in his life where he is willing to share a little more and open up. And I right. think you hear that throughout the course of the podcast, because if right. you listen to it it's in its entirety and you listen to the way Todd speaks, he's always frank, and that's something he's always been. But... Yeah. He's much more vulnerable than people would have ever thought he would be given the persona he had in Vancouver at the time. I agree completely. I mean, I've only ever observed Todd as a fan and, and you know, reading stories, you guys talk to him maybe on 1040 or Sportsnet. Um, I remember the whole Bertuzzi Moore incident. We can talk about that in a bit uh, very well. I didn't witness the game, but I remember all the outpouring of just anger and frustration. And it seemed like every person had an opinion on what happened with Todd and Steve Moore. And I I have a very distinct memory of that incident because I remember the game where Moore went after Marcus Maslin and what transpired with that, right? And I think there was a history there and you elaborated it so well. And I'll just mention, I'm just trying to figure out which episode that was, if you can remember, because people might want to jump around. I mean, I went through the podcast step-by-step, step, right? But um, I don't remember which episode it was. Um, Episode seven, I believe, is the one Episode you're talking seven about. seven and eight. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because the podcast addresses so much. So let's let's talk a little bit about the earlier steps because I listened to episodes one and two again today, and there's some really interesting stuff in there, right? There certainly is. And I didn't mistakenly mention that it's Wayne Gretzky's birthday without having a tie-in to right. this. And Wayne Gretzky's in the first yeah, episode, well, course, and he appears at other points of the podcast as well, which was obviously for me a huge 
get and not somebody right. that I thought would be a part of this, but was very, very pleasantly surprised to find out that he was willing to do it. But it goes back was, to those early yeah. days of where right. the Canucks were. And I say early relative to the West Coast Express, but as you mentioned, tail end of 94, height of Trevor Linden, they almost win yeah. the Stanley Cup. They've yeah. got a brand new building coming. Looks like the future is so bright. They bring in Alexander McGillney. This is going to be this high-flying team with Burray, McGillney, Linden, McLean. You've got all of oh, these yeah. guys, yeah. and yeah. the team can't win. And obviously, right after that, they, they do okay with that group. They get some level of playoff success, but nothing like 94. But then they bring in Mark Messier, who's seen as the missing piece. And yeah. I want people to just, for a second believe if they don't already that it was celebrated at the time when they signed Mark. Oh, no, Messier, I remember it really well. Yeah, no, I remember many it well. People please said, continue. Listen, I know he's the guy that we despised in 94, but he's the greatest yeah. captain in sports and he's a winner. And all this guy does is win cups and he's going to help bring a cup to Vancouver. And if this yeah. is the deal we got to sign to get that done, I'm willing to do it. That's what most fans thought at the time. We all I know did. from a team perspective, it, did not go well. It crashed and burned from a team perspective. Trevor Linden was gone. Mike Keenan was running the team suddenly, and people just didn't know which way to go. Pat Quinn was gone. And then out of all of this, Marcus Naslin's acquired along the way. Keenan goes and trades Linden, ends up getting Bertuzzi in that deal. Then comes Brian Burke, as you mentioned a little earlier. He's the guy who gets Morrison. So you got three different general managers acquiring players yeah. drafted by three different organizations, and yet somehow they end up on this same line in second-chance scenarios for each of them in their National Hockey League careers, yeah. and they become the best line in the National Hockey League. A story like that doesn't happen anywhere. And then you combine no, the personalities, and then you combine all the highs and lows that that group experienced and there is just so much depth to this story. There is. And what I remember the trade, Alexander McGillney went to New Jersey for Brendan Morrison and, and Dennis Peterson. Now, I don't know whatever happened to Dennis Peterson. I mean, maybe I don't remember if he was a throw around the deal. for a bit. He stuck around for a bit. And then he was right. a guy that was traded out in, I believe, 0203 to right. Phoenix at the time. Right. So, yeah, I know it's interesting how all those guys get acquired. I mean, we can talk about the Marcus Naslin acquisition, which I remember well. I, I don't even have to look it up. It's Marcus Naslin for Alex Stoyanov. Quinn had a thing for acquiring these big hulking wieners like Sean Antosky or somebody else, right? Or Libor Palasic is another guy that I that I remember, right? And it's like you traded Stoyanov to get Naslin, not realizing, oh, yeah, you know, what you gave up in Stoyanov and now – and now here we are with these guys that many years later. I mean, I remember that team after the West Coast Express started. Then you move forward to, you got the Sedins as second, third line players with, with a guy like Trent Klott. Um, and you watch the Sedins start to develop. But um, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, when you did the podcast, how easy was it to get the other participants? Like, did you use audio files, media files to do that? or Because I hear Brian Burke and I hear... Guys like Ian McIntyre, I hear Don Taylor. Like, you've got in this podcast, it's so in depth. You have li literally anybody and everybody that you could think of. Yeah, there's very few people who said no or didn't get back to me. And I'll mention a couple who didn't. And again, I hold no judgment. Everybody's right. got things going on in their lives. Absolutely. I tried to get Mike Keenan, I wanted his perspective. I tried to get Mark Messier, I wanted his perspective. And I actually think right. if you listen to this podcast, if you're a Canucks fan, 
You might actually have a different view of Mark Messier after listening to it, but that's just my own opinion. So most people said yes. And here's the reason I think why, Ben. First, those three players were involved. Right. But whether it was Brian Burke or Ed Jovanovsky or right. the Sedins, go down the list of those people. Mark Crawford, that was a really good time in their lives, despite the fact they didn't get over yeah. in the playoffs. It was fun. It they were a big deal in Vancouver. They were a big deal around the National Hockey League, as I chronicle right. throughout the course of the podcast. It was really fun because that group, by and large, was in the same age range, Ben. Yeah. And yeah. they grew up together. It wasn't just that they became better hockey players and a better hockey team together. They became no. lifelong friends together. And so yeah. that's a really nice era in people's lives that they were happy to look back on now that they've been removed from it for enough time. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that struck me was when I was in that era for me, early 2000s, I'd finished university, I was working, I had money to spend on hockey tickets. I had a girlfriend who's now my wife, um, but I had disposable income, so I bought an 11-game ticket pack, right? And you can go to 11 games for three seasons, and then I remember with the strike season in 04, 05, it was like, well, I'm not going to renew if there's a strike, so I lost that ticket pack. But I watched those guys play, and I watched that era, and I saw it, right? And I saw what transpired. And Again, with the podcast, what struck me was how in-depth it was, but also some of the stuff that you shared, like even all that Wayne Gretzky stuff, like I didn't know anything about that. Can you share a little more on that from the first couple episodes? Because that really struck me. Like I didn't know he was that close to coming here. He was very close, in fact. And I didn't actually, and maybe this is just a bad call on my part, I actually didn't think about tracking down Wayne Gretzky because it felt like it was such an impossibility that – I would get someone close to him. And I thought I had his agent who was going to do it, Mike Barnett. Unfortunately, Mike is still, not for him, but unfortunately for the podcast, Mike is still employed by the New York Rangers and they didn't want one of their employees talking about another organization, even though it happened almost 30 years ago. So when I hit that roadblock, I tried to find a way to Wayne Gretzky, which ended up coming through and he was great. But yes, he was very close. When he was done playing in St. Louis, People may forget that he got traded from LA to St. Louis. They I went a couple that. of rounds in the playoffs. Yeah. Steve Eiserman eliminated them. And all of a sudden, Wayne Gretzky was deciding what to do. And Vancouver was very high on his list. And as Gretzky goes through, I won't ruin it for everybody. He mentions there was a personal connection to Canucks ownership at the time. Wayne Gretzky flew to Seattle to meet with John McCaw and the Canucks brass. And he was this close to getting the deal done. I'll let Gretzky... And George McPhee, who was one of the Canucks assistant general managers at the time, I'll let them tell the story, but the Canucks went with some type of power play tactic that didn't work out for them in the negotiation. And the next thing you know, Wayne Gretzky becomes a New York Ranger, not quite like losing the Stanley Cup, but losing the greatest player of all time to the New York Rangers. Some right. people would see it that way. So that's how close he was. And maybe that changes the fate of the Vancouver Canucks in the 90s. Yeah, it does, right? Because I remember... Gretzky's path, obviously, from Edmonton to L.A. to St. Louis to New York, not having any idea. And I, I don't know if you mind if I share this one detail, but I remember listening to that piece today. And it was like, he's like, Wayne's like, well, we're in this extensive negotiation process. And John and I left and we were just kind of sitting around kind of, you know, chatting. And he said that if John and I had just had it our way, we would have just worked this deal out. And that would have been the end of it. Right. Like it would have been. A simple process but lawyers involved agents i don't remember exactly what you talked to wayne about but 
I, I remember being really struck by that moment as well. I was like, wow, like Gretzky was actually going to come here. And it was that close. It was. And, you know, he shared something in that interview that I'll throw out right now that I had never heard before, that he actually had an offer prior to that from the Dallas Stars, that Bob Ganey and the Dallas Stars had made him yeah, an offer. Another one. And he said, okay, well, there's something to consider. He said, I'm not going to use that offer to play it off against the Canucks or any other team, but thank you. And that's something I'll consider. So it's not as though this was a guy who wasn't coveted by numerous franchises. And like I said, he was this close to becoming a Vancouver Canuck. It didn't ultimately happen. His teammate from his Edmonton days and for a season in New York, Mark Messier ended up coming here. And that is certainly chronicled in the podcast as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, again, it's one of those things. There's so much depth to what you've done. Can you share sort of like how long it took you to put it together like episode by episode like because you listened to that one podcast you said seven years ago but when did it really start to take shape for you with putting together unreal west coast express well 2022 was when it really came together i had left radio that i was doing on a daily business for 15 16 years i suppose and i was looking for what i was going to do next and there were opportunities to do a daily podcast but i'd never done long form and I wanted to try something like this. And that was an idea that had been kind of rooted in the back of my brain since I'd listened to the podcast that I'd mentioned earlier in this conversation. So it was one that I'd wanted to do. I right. got in touch with those guys. And then I just started calling others, Trevor Linden, the Sedins, work your way down the list. I can't remember what order we did all those interviews in. I couldn't guess, Ben, at how many hours it took me to put that together because it was a process <laughs> I'd never done before. There was transcription yeah, right. involved. You're trying to figure out what type of tone to set with your music and how much you should narrate. I'm not sure if I got it right, but I am very proud of what I put together. I'm very happy with the product. And it meant a lot to me to know that the people involved were very happy with it as well. Yeah, and I think we can share a little bit because I did the research obviously listened to the whole thing and was looking at it on apple Podcasts, and you've got quite the um the breakdown here scott i'll pull it up i don't know if i can share it this way but people can um find it on apple Podcasts, and i'll share it um for them to listen to but i was working through episode number two a new york minute um so maybe you can give us a little bit on a new york minute as well because it's an interesting listen right yeah, I called it a New York Minute because that's the year that Mark Messier arrives and a few months later is followed by Mike Keenan after Pat Quinn is shockingly let go by the organization. So the two guys who were that New York centerpiece of the Rangers breaking their 54-year cup drought in 1994 are suddenly yeah. the faces of the Vancouver Canucks. And then, <laughs> wouldn't you know it, Trevor Linden is out a few months after yeah. that. And where is he traded to? Well, it's not the Rangers, but it is New York. And in coming from New York... Todd Bertuzzi as the face of the team starts to change right before a Canucks fans eyes. And yet they are really, and you hear people talk about this who are in the front office, they're really in a state of denial. Um, I, I would even say they were in a, a state of not knowing what they were associated with anymore. And I'm talking about Canucks fans here because they felt right. like they knew the organization under the Griffiths. And all of a sudden with the changes that had taken place under John McCaw, I think a lot of people felt like they didn't know what the organization was with a guy like Pat Quinn having been removed. And that was a person that stakeholders had put their trust in quite frankly. And now the fans weren't sure who or what to trust. 
Right. And I remember when Quinn was hired and the sort of controversy around that when they pulled him out of L.A. and the Griffiths ownership made that move. And then what Pat tried to do starting in 87, 88, moving forward, trying to build this franchise. Right. And in a lot of ways, by the time it reached 1992, it was like one of the first true eras of Canucks hockey where I, I think people around the league really respected the team and they were a good team, like in the regular season. They didn't have the playoff success until 94. But um yeah, I know. I remember thinking, I remember reading how after the sort of Iron Mike Keenan comes in and then and then Messier, then it turns into what they some people call the quote unquote dark era. So maybe you can talk just sort of quickly about that. Well, and that's before the West Coast Express came together. But that to me is a critical part of the story because, yes, it was dark times for Canucks fans in the late 90s and a very short time after that high point that we described with 94. People weren't going to games. And this is in a market where hockey reigns supreme and had reigned supreme for quite some time among sports fans. People wouldn't go to games despite the fact that they had high-priced talent and superstars on paper, but the team just wasn't playing very well collectively. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. But there was a dissociation between the fan base and the organization. And from those depths with a number of acquisitions along the way, but the critical ones being Marcus Naslin, Todd Bertuzzi, bringing in Mark Crawford, Ed Jovanovsky, Brian Burke, yep. and a reconnection with season ticket holders and with yep. stakeholders in the marketplace, all of a sudden they start to rise and it's a gradual rise. But as I mentioned earlier, it's players all in that same age range and Brendan Morrison adds to that and they're guys growing up together and they were personalities that I believe the fans felt like they knew. And so as the fan, yep. as that team starts to come back, now the fans start to gradually come back as well. And who would have thought that that line would turn into the best in the National Hockey League and a draw not only in their own arena, but in every single rink around the NHL? Right. And so let's wrap things up because I know we said sort of about half an hour. So I got a couple more things for you. And then uh-huh. you've got stuff to do and I've got stuff to do. But what has the response been like for you with this? Because I was doing some research on it and it had a pretty pr- profound effect on me, like wanting to do podcasting and all and all that kind of stuff. And I've done sports writing for sports betting sites and all that kind of stuff. But what has the response been within the industry amongst your peers? Because I know for myself what I heard, but I wonder what people think with all the people that you worked with. Because there's guys like Rick and Don do their show on Czech TV, right? They've got Donnie and Dolly, or you got Matt and Blake who do Sakaris and Price. When, when TSN 1040 kind of blew up, um, and it, and everybody kind of went their separate ways. You saw how what Rick and Don did. You saw what uh, Halford and Bruff did. You saw what Sakaris and Price did. So how did it affect sort of what you're doing now? Well, those are two different questions. First of all, the one about support from those within the industry. It's been tremendous, and it was tremendous at the time, whether it was Dolly and, or Donnie and Dolly or whether it was the guys at Sportsnet or Matt and Blake with Sakaris and Price. Like those guys were all very supportive. There were national outlets that were very supportive in having me on, promoting it. And so most people have been extremely complimentary of what the product is, the number of people who are involved. Certainly, you would always like to get more widespread adoption, but I can't complain about that for a second. People have been really great. The response has been tremendous and overwhelming in some cases with some personal stories that fans have shared. And listeners have shared saying, hey, this allowed me to reconnect with my dad about hockey. And we haven't done that since that team. But that's something we're doing together. We're listening to the podcast. Or those who 
are young enough that they didn't actually get to witness that exciting era of Canucks hockey and what, what a dynamo that team was in the NHL at that time. They're getting a bit of a history lesson and understanding some of the people who set the stones in place for the 2011 team and for all of the media attention that you see now. As far as informing what I'm doing right now and what I'm going to continue to do going forward, I loved that foray into long-form journalism. It's something that I'll continue to pursue. I do a couple of other different podcasts and I'll continue to work on those as well. But I love the format and I love digging into a story with that type of depth with people who are involved that are willing to trust me. And that was the great thing. People willing to trust me with their story that I would treat it properly. Great. Thank you. And so with, if people can reach you, I'm just trying to share some stuff here so people know how to reach you. Toolkit content is you. Um, I guess you're considered an independent sort of journalist now. Is that how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've got my company and I do some podcasting under that umbrella, but I can always be reached on social channels. At Scott Rentool has always been my Twitter handle. On Instagram, it's at Scott Rentool Pro. I am working with a private company now in a completely different field, but it's one of those stretch your legs, see how you can do people that I've known for a number of years and I wanted to try to help them and their company as well. But I'm continuing to do my podcast uh, endeavors and I'll continue to do those going forward. All right, Scott. Thanks for joining in. It's great great to finally connect with you. Um, Thanks everyone who tuned in on Facebook as well. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ben. Okay. So there you have it, folks. Season 3, Episode 16 of the Golden 3 Podcast, recorded last Friday, January 26th, with Scott Rintoul from Toolkit Content. And as I mentioned off the top, I'm going to reiterate again, Scott is the former host of TSN 1040 and Sportsnet 650, who last year released Unreal West Coast Express, a nine-part podcast series about the Vancouver Canucks line of Brendan Morrison, Marcus Naslin, and Todd Bertuzzi. Scott's link to his site is https colon forward slash forward slash rintoolscott.podbean.com you can check out unreal west coast express on a number of other podcast platforms as well including apple podcasts stay tuned for more great guests coming up on future episodes of the golden view podcast and i will talk to you soon This is the Golden V Podcast. The Golden V Podcast is a Vancouver, Canada-based podcast talking Vancouver sports. We talk about hockey, football, baseball, soccer, and other sports, including the Canucks, Lions, Vancouver Whitecaps, Canadians, and any other relevant sports news in the Vancouver, Canada area.